We hear in our story from the gospel, according to Matthew today, a story about John the Baptist sitting in prison, wondering if all that he had done had been worth it. Was God's kingdom truly coming? Was salvation actually at hand? Or had he thrown his life away? Been miserable out in the wilderness, eaten locusts for God's sake, literally for God's sake, And ended up in prison, soon to be killed, all for a lie, a misguided zealot's farce. Was Jesus truly the Messiah, the anointed one? And so he asked, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? And being Jesus, he could never give a simple yes or no. When John's disciples asked that very direct question, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered, the blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. I can hear in Jesus' response the tacit, of course I am, John. Doesn't that sound like salvation? Doesn't that sound like the kingdom of God? But I can imagine John thinking, thanks, Jesus, that sounds great for those people, the lepers, the deaf, the dead, the poor. I'm here in prison. Have I thrown my life away for nothing or not? To that second unasked question, Jesus preemptively says, blessed are those who take no offense at me. Take no offense at me, John, even though I am not all that you thought I would be. Fear not, even though you are imprisoned. Fear not, even though I have not taken command of Israel and destroyed Rome. Fear not, John, because the kingdom of God, that political, social and religious revolution for which you entered the desert for which you have been imprisoned, that revolution will not come at the point of a sword, nor will the turning of the world upside down come with the violent upheaval of mighty forces and fields drenched in blood. The turning of the world upside down, the revolution, the movement for which you have given your life, John, will come with each life that repents of anger and destruction and isolation and each life that turns instead towards love. Remember all of those people who came into the wilderness to be baptized by you? Those who were so thirsty for the waters of repentance, John, that they entered the river Jordan with you. Those muddy waters, filthy, dirty as sin. Those people entered the waters, not so that I could take up the sword against Rome. Those people entered the waters, not so that we could shed blood and turn the waters of the Jordan from brown to red. Those people entered the Jordan Because they wanted to draw near to God and they didn't want their past or future sins to prevent them from drawing near to God ever again. They entered the waters of the Jordan to be free. They wanted to be free from the shackles which the religious elite had placed on them, telling them that they were never going to be good enough for God. 
They wanted to be free from the same old ways of life, which they kept thinking would bring healing and wholeness, free from those same old ways of life, which they kept thinking would fill the void in their souls, but which only left more brokenness, the void even greater. Those people entered the desert, John, with you so that they could wash and be made new and then leave the desert for the promised land of life in God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom is not, about, is not brought about through the continual shedding of blood, the killing and exclusion of those we believe to be unworthy of God. And so the only way I could free you, John, would have been to let the bloodletting begin. And so no, John, I am not going to free you. Am I the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Here's what's happening, John. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor has, have good news brought to them. All of those who were deemed unworthy, who were told they weren't good enough to be a part of God's kingdom, are a part of God's kingdom. Remember, it was for such as those that you baptized, John. So take no offense at me, for the kingdom of God is indeed at hand. And at the same time, yes, John, you are going to die in prison. In fact, you're going to be beheaded at the hands of a faithless, immoral, and impulsive ruler simply because he was turned on by a young woman's dancing. The kingdom of God is at hand and you are going to die senselessly for your efforts in bringing it about. That is probably not the message John was looking for. And for us, 21st century disciples of Jesus, those of us who are a part of the Jesus movement, which John helped start almost 2,000 years ago, we also get to be a part of the kingdom of God. We too get to help bring about the kingdom of God and live into the kingdom of God, continually turning towards love, continually turning towards Jesus, and continually offering that love to others. Offering Jesus to others, to everyone we see, including the poor and the blind, the lame and the marginalized. We get to offer Jesus to the overworked and the overstressed. We get to offer Jesus to those who are trying like hell to live the right way and certain day in and day out that they are falling short. We get to offer love and grace and forgiveness. We get to offer Jesus. At the same time, like John, we will at times find ourselves in prison, wondering when Jesus is going to come. And the only answer we're going to receive is not this time. Like everyone in the world, we who are a part of the Jesus movement are going to still suffer Sickness. Sicknesses which are not healed. 
We, like everyone else in the world, are going to suffer loved ones who die too soon and relationships which are broken. Like everyone else in the world, we suffer from sorrows and addictions. Times of being overwhelmed, of feeling trapped. Times in which we feel imprisoned by life. And contra some claptrap out there, peddled by various preachers as gospel, believing in Jesus and following in Jesus' movement does not earn us a get-out-of-suffering-free card. We know this. We still struggle with life. We have bad jobs or no jobs. We have difficult or failed marriages. We have disease and sickness, senseless death, and dashed hopes. And like with John, this is probably not the good news we were waiting to hear this morning. But we're fooling ourselves if we pretend anything else. Like John, sitting in prison, following Jesus, giving our lives to his teaching and his service, and trusting him, following in his movement, all of that offers us no special protection. We suffer and die just like everyone else. The great lie of this life, the great lie of medicine, the great lie of wealth, even the great lie of some modern pseudo-Christianity is that we can somehow avoid suffering and death. But avoiding suffering and death is not the gospel. The gospel is that our suffering and death is not punishment from a capricious childlike God with a nasty temper and a mean streak a mile long. Suffering and death is simply a part of life. And the gospel accepts that truth. And then the gospel tells us another truth. We are not alone in that suffering. In fact, we are beloved of God. We're even liked by God. We are liked by God so much that he actually thought it would be a good idea to become one of us with our suffering and our death. The gospel truth is we are not alone in suffering, nor are we alone in death, because God chose to become one of us in that, and death does not have the final word. Life continues through suffering. Life continues after death. Accepting that fact, accepting that we are all dust, and to dust we shall return, we can then let go of the countless ways we try to avoid suffering and death. We can let go of that fruitless struggle, let go of that fear, And then grasp with both hands the life that truly is life. With that fear of suffering and death gone, we can then see the joy and the beauty of life, even in the midst of suffering and death. The Jesus movement is a risky road. The revolution for which John prepared the way. But love always is a risk. The life of the Jesus movement, the life in which the downtrodden and the unacceptable are welcomed and included. That life is worth the risk. 
the life of the Jesus movement in which God is with us in sorrow and in death, that life is worth every risk. Even as we risk wondering where God is when we find ourselves in whatever prison we are, hearing Jesus telling us, I'm not coming this time. All of life is a risk. Waking up in the morning is a risk. Stepping out of bed and putting your foot on the floor that first time every morning is a risk. Choosing to love at all is a risk. And in the Jesus movement, we don't risk alone. We risk with each other. We risk for each other. And we risk with a God who, for some reason, thought it was a good idea to become one of us. He likes us that much. In the Jesus movement, we risk for the sake of all of those who come to the dirty-as-sin waters of the Jordan, seeking freedom. We risk for the sake of all of those who come to the waters of the Jordan, seeking acceptance. We risk for the sake of all of those who come to those waters seeking Jesus. Amen.